The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Eat, drink, and savor the season with us. We're celebrating Thanksgiving in style, and we're giving thanks. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio this morning. You've tuned in to KFWB News Talk 980, and we're so delighted that you've joined us for the hour. We believe that great cooks aren't born, they're made. So stay tuned, because there's lots of scintillating conversation in your radio. We're celebrating with food, and a very good morning to you, Lana. Good morning. We are giving thanks with lots of Thanksgiving ideas and always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. So if you're getting ready for the big meal, for some of us, planning Thanksgiving dinner is like an Iron Chef challenge. For uh, others of us, perhaps not uh, as great an exercise. But whether you're hosting your first Thanksgiving or your 50th, this is the one meal that can be best tackled successfully with a little planning and some tips. So seeing that it is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we do have some suggestions so that you can make for a hopefully stress-free or even less stressful week when it comes to the big feast. Uh, Today is the day, if you didn't do it yesterday, right, Lana, where I believe the hard work begins the weekend before Thanksgiving. And the biggest task is often doing the grocery shopping. So if you can buy your non-perishables this weekend, if you haven't shopped yet, try to shop today. Buy the dry goods so that you get a jump on all of that supermarket shopping. Today's a good day as well to pull out all the platters that you're going to be serving your Thanksgiving feast on and mark them with sticky notes as to what is going to go where. Uh, And then, you know, start preparing the house. You can also prep anything that can be frozen today. Like all of your pie dough can be made, rolled out, laid into your pie pans, covered or wrapped well with plastic wrap. And then you can actually stack your pie plates one on top of the other and freeze them. And then when you're ready to bake, you even uh, get a much better pie because that pie dough from frozen or very cold actually bakes up even more beautifully. Just mix together the filling after you've taken the pie plates out of the freezer and then uh, bake from scratch, essentially. But having had a jump start on pie baking, it's, I think, a wonderful way to get ahead. And then we have lots of ideas to make Thanksgiving easy this year by going from good to great. We're all about supermarket shortcuts if you're short on time or if you're looking for a little bit of help, then you could certainly have a sous chef from uh, the grocery store, essentially, because the Thanksgiving feast can be an overwhelming number of components. And there are a few ways that you could make it a little easier. Instead of roasting and simmering or pureeing your own soups, why not buy the all-natural, freshly made, store-bought version and then embellish the flavor? Like, Lana, we love a butternut squash or a pumpkin soup, right? Mm-hmm. Made better with a can of coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Everything is made better, by the way, with a can of coconut milk mm-hmm. often. It applies to butter and bacon, too. Mm-hmm. But if you buy prepared butternut squash or pumpkin soup and you add coconut milk and some ground cumin and nutmeg and ginger, 
butter and you puree it till it's velvety and you top it with some crispy pancetta and then you say, voila, I made soup, uh, then you've definitely made it your own. You can always buy store-bought mashed potatoes from the deli at your high-end supermarket as well. And then you can add and elevate the flavor by maybe adding a nutty cheese like Parmigiano-Reggiano. You could make horseradish mashed potatoes or creme-fresh mashed potatoes or bacon or fresh herb as well. It's easy, but it's impressive. And it's a certainly, uh, certainly a wonderful shortcut idea for the holidays. What do you have? Lana, when it comes to, uh, I, you're big on leftovers, I know. You yes, wanted, I am. You wanted to plan for the aftermath. Yes, I, Friday. I was Friday thinking. is a very big day. Yes. It's almost a better day than Thursday. It might possibly be. <laughs> it is. And you could use up the mashed potatoes that you have by making a mashed potato cake. Mm-hmm. It's really a delicious way to use up your leftover mashed potatoes. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Because for breakfast, you could put a couple poached eggs on that mashed potato cake and even douse it with... Oh, some perfect. of your leftover gravy, or you can mm-hmm. make blender hollandaise. By the way, that recipe is on the website at chefjamie.com, mm-hmm. where we're always serving up seconds. There's a bevy of recipes for everything you need from, uh, I would say, decked out desserts to the magic of cranberries to talking turkey, along with a holiday planner, chefjamie.com, mm. C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com. And on Facebook and Twitter, by the way, at Chef Jamie Gwen. And for breakfast, you could take the stuffing and put it into a cupcake round. Oh, like a, a muffin pan. A muffin pan and uh, use that as your base for baked eggs. Oh, I love that. And you could put some uh, bacon underneath it if you'd like. Or, oh, I'm so uh, having cheese. I'm having uh, baked eggs in stuffing muffin cups on Friday. D- don't Your house or to, mine. <laughs> to butter the uh, the muffin pan before you press the stuffing in, and then add some cheese and chives and. And then you break, break your egg, the and whole then, egg, and then ba- you bake it. Exactly. We do the same thing with mushrooms and spinach when it isn't Thanksgiving. But this is a Thanksgiving leftover. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. Yes. So bake it in the oven for about 10 to 12 minutes. Oh, super cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then also for leftovers is a curried turkey salad. Oh, that's a nice idea. I love that. When you add, uh, you know, an elevated flavor or an ethnic influence like curry powder, Mm -hmm. um, then you really change the dynamic of that turkey you've already eaten for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Just as soon as you thought you were bored with it, then it becomes something new and brilliant. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's fabulous. And then how about a turkey hash? Oh, for sure. Yes, and turkey soup, by the way. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Now, see, this is what's amazing about the Thanksgiving turkey to me. It has multiple uses, right? So we talked about today doing your shopping and planning in advance. If you are making the full feast, then you might want to make your own stock. Stock is made from bones, by the way. Broth is bought uh, or purchased in a container, which is just fine to use, the low-sodium version, by the way. But if you're making your own stock, today would be the day to get necks and wings um, from the turkey. Uh, You could use chicken if you wanted. Um, I like like the backbones in there as well, and they're selling them in the market now. They are. They add a really nice flavor. Turkey wings and turkey backbones and turkey necks are very inexpensive, Mm -hmm. and you put them on a baking sheet or in a roasting pan and you roast them on high heat till they get color in the oven and then you dump them all into a stock pot and you add the traditional mise en place celery onion carrot all the leftovers in the bottom of your produce bin you fill it with water and a few hours later the house smells beautiful and you've made your own turkey stock and now you're prepared for the week of gravy and you know good stock for stuffing and side dishes now i read this past week that thomas keller 
adds 20% chicken feet. You could go to an Asian market yes. and buy the chicken feet. Yes. And put them in. They and are very flavorful. Very. And, and they make the soup gelatinous. Yes. Which you, just gives a great texture and flavor. Yeah. And it gives you a depth of flavor. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. So I love that you're following in the footsteps of Thomas Keller. Yes, I am. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, but today's the day. Now, once you've made the stock, that's the one used for turkey, right? Then you roast a turkey. Mm-hmm. Then consider that the carcass of the roasted turkey come Friday becomes turkey soup or turkey stew mm-hmm. or turkey pot pie. I mean, these are the many uses for turkey that I absolutely love. And when you consider it's like a whole week of feasting, that's why it's my favorite holiday. Mm, And don't forget the stuffing, the leftover stuffing that goes on a sandwich that goes, that gets stuffed into mushrooms. Oh, I like that. That you could bake mushrooms. And then I make a stuffing bread, which (gasps) you love very much too. You take stuffing Mm -hmm. and you sort of, um, (laughs) you, you sort of double up, I would say you take the stuffing and you add more eggs and cream and a little bit of stock and you can add sauteed fennel or more caramelized onions and you make stuffing bread Mm -hmm. the recipe by the way on the website now the table is is loaded with this beautifully uh, burnished bird and a multitude of side dishes and you must have great wine so i thought i would suggest to you a white and a red very simply Mm -hmm. if you're looking for the perfect pairing for this thanksgiving before i mention those two though let me mention most importantly that bubbly makes everything better. And if you are stumped by a white or a red or you choose not to choose between the two and you want to serve one bottle Mm -hmm. all the way through or multiple bottles of course of the same thing then sparkling or champagne is your way to go it will start well with the appetizers it will pair perfectly with your turkey it goes nicely with stuffing and it'll take you all the way to dessert Mm -hmm. so french champagne spanish cava italian prosecco whatever Mm -hmm. is suiting your fancy at this moment you can take bubbly all the way through the meal if you're looking for a white my pick this year is a Gruner Veltliner, also called Groovy in the wine world. And the name may be intimidating, but the grape is nothing but. Um, I think it's really a beautiful pairing. Gruner means green in German, not because the grape is green, but because it tends to be best drunk young and it's inexpensive. So look for a Groovy or a Gruner Veltliner for its Mm. nice acidity Mm -hmm. to complement Thanksgiving. And then live in Pinot Noir paradise once again with me uh, because I think that there is no better Thanksgiving partner than Pinot Noir, juicy red, black cherry, berry fruit. It's elegant. It has gentle tannins. It has bright acidity. It's the perfect red wine pairing for Thanksgiving. And did you know this year when you call 1-800-BUTTERBALL, mm-hmm. as a million people do, yes. that they will pair wines with it? Robert Mondavi tied in with them. That's super cool. Isn't that? See, everyone's becoming an even greater fabulous foodie. Mm-hmm. Just by tuning into this show, you will too. By the way, our Think Like a Chef feature for the week is how to make ahead your turkey gravy. You want to save time on Thanksgiving and reduce that last minute kitchen stress? Well, make ahead turkey gravy is a wonderful way to make the complications of the big feast a little bit easier. So you make your own gravy in advance. And then the chef's note here is that you add the pan drippings as the last minute extra. Mm. And that's where you get all the flavor. So check out chefjamie.com. Click on think like a chef and you will have your make ahead gravy done 
done far in advance of the feast and you'll truly uh, be enjoying the day with family and friends rather than the last minute Mm. uh, stress of the big feast. And do we have the savory bread pudding on the website? Yes, that we do. Mushrooms and leeks, in fact. Mm. I love that idea as a substitute for stuffing. Oh, it is a dressing. Or an addition, too. Yes. It's wonderful. I love your Cook with Lana recipe this week as well. It's an almond puff pastry twist Mm. cookie. Nice crunch. Yeah, and great, you say, Mm -hmm. to make with the kids. Mm -hmm. And that's really fun because everyone gets to twist their own, right? We've also posted another something sweet, and that's my upside-down pecan caramel cake. If you have a pecan pie lover in your lifeline uh, like I do, then... And you can take it to a whole new level with this pecan caramel upside down, just absolute image of goodness. Mm, oh, it's so, so good. delicious. So good. Uh, cocktails you'll uh, love. We posted a cranberry mold wine so that you can feed a crowd in seasonal style. And the weekly dish is stuffing inspiration. In fact, it's a chorizo, apricot and grand manier stuffing in the style of using um, a, a traditional sausage. I've switched it up with chorizo and So you get a little bit of Spanish influence with the sweet dried apricots and a splash of Grand Marnier. I mean, come on, how could that be bad, right? (laughs) Of course, Hanukkah this week as well as we celebrate along with Thanksgiving. We call it Thanksgivinga. And we have lots of Hanukkah inspiration. In fact, the almost famous Lana's brisket recipe posted on the website too, which everybody's asking for. And please check out Facebook as well because we're giving away dinners for six at the three Southern California locations of Seasons 52. We're starting our Facebook promotion today and we would love to feed you and your family in fabulous style at seasons 52 here in Southern California. So check it out on Facebook at chef Jamie Gwen and stay tuned because my talented friend and the fabulous Scott Conant is coming up. He's sharing a Scarpetta Thanksgiving. Chef John Besh will be with us, a New Orleans-inspired holiday. Plus, Margot True, the editor of Sunset Magazine, is sharing sensational sides. There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. Don't go away. It's delicious. It's divine. It's food and wine. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio We do have the best culinary thinkers on this show. Award-winning chef John Besh has long been an ambassador for the culinary culture of his native Louisiana. And it's his down-home, low-key style and his tremendous humility that I believe makes his culinary personality so very appealing. He is to be admired. He runs nine restaurants, has authored three cookbooks now, runs a charitable foundation, and hosts a TV show. We're catching up with Chef John Besh right now with the release of his new cookbook called Cooking from the Heart, My Favorite Lessons Learned Along the Way. And it's a wonderfully personal story about the makings of an extraordinary chef. We're giving you a sneak peek into the mind and the culinary history behind the gentleman that is John Besh. And we're delighted to have you back on the radio. Hi, Chef. Oh, my gosh, it's great to be back, and thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Congrats on the book. You know, both Lana and I were so taken with it, and especially since it has this beautiful introduction on your website, a video, a story, uh, a, a snippet movie, I like to call it, of, of how it came to be. And it's really a very personal one. What was it like to write the book? Well, thank you so much for mentioning that, because I feel that this is the most personal of all, and it's really telling the story of uh, you know, my wife and I, two young kids, going about learning this craft and 
and really learning about ourselves in the process through food. The book is comprised of 11 chapters of essays, beautiful photographs, delicious anecdotes, and mm-hmm. recipes that work, which I'm really, really proud of. <laughs> um, you should be. It's really the story of the mentors that I had to work from and learn from. The book really starts out with you know, my wife and I moving you know, from New Orleans to a sleepy little Black Forest uh, village of Obermuchtal in the mountains uh, near Basel, uh, Switzerland, in uh, Comar, France, right there in that area on the border of France, Switzerland, and Germany. And all the great things that I learned from my mentor, Carl Joseph Fuchs, and then later uh, our journey would take us down to the south of France where we uh, worked and lived at uh, near the Chateau de Monco and Bagnol-sur-Seze oh. near Avignon. Yes. And the little towns like Port Saint Louis and Saint Remy and right. Marseille and all these just rich and delicious stories and um and lessons that we learned were really just passing it on. And and that's I that's what I got from the book. It was like you were paying it forward. I was getting a little bit of apprenticeship from every city that you chronicled, from every kitchen totally. that you cooked well, you know, in. It's interesting. I was blessed and had the good fortune of having the ability to do that. What I've tried to do through this book is make that experience available to anybody and everybody who's interested right. through the book. So through mm-hmm. the book, you're able then to get a feel for why these recipes are important, not only why they're important, but how to cook them with authority and with ease. And, hmm. you know, for years, good food has really been cloaked in snobbery and a little bit of mystique. And what I want to do with this book is just dispel a lot of that mystique. Hmm. And I also want to refocus us on bringing it back into the kitchen. We've become food obsessed in this country, but we cook a lot less at home than ever before. That's very true. And I have a problem with that. And so anything that I can do to lure people back into the kitchen, and even if you're just a weekend chef at home, and there's plenty of the people out there just love that, you know, you're too busy during the week, that people want, it's almost a, um, it becomes a hobby of cooking on the weekends, and this is the perfect book for you, where you can spread it out, and you can conquer the simplest recipes to something that requires a little more technique. And and I love that you're dispelling that myth. And I think that really comes through in the book, Chef, because I will say, if you would dispel the myth, I intend to adopt your recipe for chanterelles with shrimp and pumpkin risotto and make it my weekend project. And I know one of the things I've always loved about your style of cooking is that you're very forthright about the fact that your go-to ingredients are salt and rice, right? So could you take <laughs> us through mastering risotto? It starts with having a good broth that you've made from your leftover chicken carcasses, or if you have some shrimp and you have the shells and the heads, then use those to make a nice stock with. And you keep that warm on the stove next to the pot that you start cooking your rice in. To cook this rice, I want you to just add just a little olive oil enough to cover the bottom of that pan and start to sweat down some small dice, mm. chopped up onion, and anything works. Just drop the onion, sweat that so that you're releasing some moisture and you're softening that onion. You're actually you're intensifying the flavors when you do that. Then we'll add the rice in. The rice, if you can find it, I'd love anything from the Bamba rice of Spain to the Rita Camargue from Provence to yeah. the Aborio rice of northern Italy. 
And I want you just to stir that rice in with the onions and that olive oil so that each little grain is coated with oil. And I want to toast this about three to five minutes, just mm. stirring it, making sure that you're not browning the onions, but that we're um, actually just cooking that raw rice. Then it's just cover the rice with the broth and this warm broth. It could be shellfish or it could be a, a chicken broth for that matter. And then add your pumpkin or add your acorn squash or whatever it happens to be. Add your other vegetable then. Let it cook so that all the rice absorbs the broth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time that you're adding that vegetable, um, and I say it could be just about anything. It really doesn't matter. Add one sprig of rosemary and a bay leaf. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because I like to just retrieve the rosemary at the end. Right, and you get that herbaceousness throughout. There are beautiful rice recipes in the book. And then, Lana, I know you noticed there is a whole chapter dedicated to soups because Chef is a soup aficionado. So I thought you might choose, I'm not going to ask you to choose your favorite child, Chef, but choose your favorite soup, if you would, for the upcoming holiday season. Maybe one you might consider starting a Thanksgiving feast with. The truth is I love a great dish. On my Thanksgiving table, to be honest with you, we'll always have a shrimp bisque, and on Christmas, we'll always have a duck and uh, oyster gumbo. I mean, we always come back home to those soulful flavors that kind of make Louisiana special. Right. Okay, we want to go to Chef John Hmm. Besh's house for Thanksgiving, just FYI. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) And Chef, I noticed you like to cook with snails. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I love all coquillage, all the different mussels and clams and oysters and all the different mullets. Yes. And a lot of times when you know they're harvested together, and I love to cook them together, adding them in at different times, obviously beginning with the clams and then adding the sea snails and then the mussels at the end. And oh. it could be in a Provencal style or it could be a marinara and just with this a little bit of uh, garlic and leek and some white wine. As simple as possible. I just love the flavor that you get from uh, these beautiful mullets. Mm. I I love the idea of adding them in for special occasion meals and for the feasts that are upcoming, too, because it's something different. I'm also looking at your cherry tomato five-minute sauce, Chef. Yeah, you know, cherry tomatoes are the one thing. Now that we have all the heirloom tomatoes in the world at our fingertips, we kind of look over those cherry tomatoes. And when I grow them, when they come in the season, they come in with a vengeance. And it seems like (laughs) I, I can't eat them fast enough. And so... What my wife and I started doing is that we'll just cook those down as our canned tomato sauce, which they're really, really sweet. Right. And so they work well with a lot of garlic and a lot of crushed chili pepper. And then all of a sudden you have like something that's, that's so well balanced, sweet, sour, salty, spicy. Beautiful. And uh, there, there's nothing better for that. And I use that as a base for a lot of my different soups um, and sauces. And for the roasted sea bass Provençal, I would think that it would fit in just perfectly. It's the one recipe on johnbesh.com that I can't wait to make first. I know you love to fish. Those fish are just beautiful where you you get something that fits into like a nice paella pan, let's just say. Right. And in the bottom, just sprinkle it with a little olive oil, lots of garlic and some halved cherry tomatoes or whatever kind of tomatoes you want. Throw in some olives and then take like a perfect little, if it's sea bass or whatever it happens to be, clean it, scale it right on top, season it with a little bit of salt, pepper, stuff it with some lemon and some uh, fennel, for that matter, into the oven, 
20 minutes later, you have like the perfect fish and you've got like all those juices with all the um, tomatoes. You have the perfect sauce to go with it. Hmm. As you can tell, I'm not very excited about Yeah, I was just going to say, and and I love your enthusiasm, and you've no doubt inspired us. I intend to somehow put snails on our Thanksgiving menu, so thank you for the true inspiration, and know that we will be cooking from Cooking from the Heart. John Besh, no doubt, uh, an extraordinary student, as we all have been, but now an incredible teacher and sharing the accomplishments of his culinary career in a new cookbook called Cooking from the Heart, my favorite lessons learned along the way. You can find exclusive content from the new book at johnbesh.com where you can steal a couple of the recipes that we spoke about. And of course, you can find John Besh on your television as the top chef uh, season right now is in his hometown city, New Orleans, and we're loving watching, John. So thank you for taking the time. Continued success. I will tell you, my dining experience recently at August was one of the top 10 meals of my lifetime. The flavors and the textures that came from the plate, it was like sensory heaven, and I can't wait to come back. So we hope to see you soon. thanks for coming to my home. I appreciate it. Well, and thank you for stopping by our kitchen. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you. Y'all take good care. Appreciate it. Thank you. You too. There's more delicious conversation in your radio. Don't go away. This is an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We have been waiting for this cookbook. It's the secrets, the tricks, and the tips behind the much-beloved chef with a worldwide restaurant empire and a judging persona that gets him lots of great attention. He is the award-winning chef and restaurateur, Scott Conant, and I am proud to call him my friend. And we're giving you a first look inside the Scarpetta cookbook, just released and long-awaited. While this is his third cookbook, I should say, it's the first one wholly dedicated to Scarpetta, so you should expect lots of crudos and truly incredible pastas and short rib recipes and pastas with short ribs and... Of course, Scott's famous spaghetti. He joins us live, and I am so excited. We're glad to have you back. Hey, and welcome. Hi, how are you, Scott? Thank you. I love being on here with you. Thank (laughs) you so much. Oh, you're too good. Thank you. Um, We are very excited for the release of the new cookbook. I um, did a little homework, and I saw a wonderful interview with you, and you talked, Scott, about, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it properly in Italian, sprizzatura? Sprizzatura. Sprizzatura. Okay, could you please define it? Because this is my new favorite phrase, and I believe, as you mentioned, that this cookbook has it. Yes. Well, the the idea of sprizzatura is is the art of making the elegant look easy, a certain nonchalance. And I think that, you know, Italians and Italian culture kind of capture that really, really well. Mm. Okay, can you can you spell it, please? Because I'm going to plan to use it in my sentences. Sprizzatura. S-P-R-E-Z-Z-A-T-U-R-A. Sprezzatura. Okay. Sprezzatura. Exactly. I, I love this idea of it's like something special. And this book is so full of love. And by that, I mean pasta. Um, so <laughs> um, share with us, if you would, what it took to take your restaurant recipes to the home cook. Because these really are the divulged secrets of Scarpetta. As we create our SOPs, our, all our standard operating procedures for the restaurants, having these 
recipes all lined up and calculated and costed is a major part of what we do in restaurants. I mean, you need to do that in order to have your costs correct. So we had these recipes, but what I really wanted to do was be able to have them ready for people without sacrificing the integrity or the approach of the recipe itself. So there are very few changes, to be honest with you, that we made that we had to change. We converted everything from, we keep everything in grams, we converted them to ounces in, in American systems. So other than that, to be honest with you, there's not much. There's not much that we've changed. I think it's amazing that you've shared all of your time-tested recipes. Everyone knows um, through social media that I am thoroughly addicted to Scarpetta spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> you laugh every time, but I know, I've never had crack, except for I truly believe that there must be crack in it, because I call it crack spaghetti. I want to lick the bowl, like lift it up off the table and lick the inside of the bowl uh, when I'm done eating it. And you've shared the recipe before, but to see it in written form on plain paper yeah. is really extraordinary. And I know it's the recipe that everyone's going to in the book first to make scarpetta spaghetti at home seems just absolutely extraordinary. Why wouldn't I share it? I mean, I'm a big believer that if you share things, good things come back to you as well. So it's all karmic. It's all cyclical, all that kind of stuff. But most importantly, if somebody has that experience at the restaurant, you know, why can't they create that same experience in the confines of their home. I'm a big believer of that. And the spaghetti itself gets a lot of attention. Um, but if you would talk about the particulars of it, I think it's interesting from an Italian perspective to see how much butter you use in some things for flavor and for mouthfeel and for texture. Of course, Lana and I talk about yeah. that a lot. She, in fact, will say to me, put in um, Scott Conant butter. <laughs> Does that mean an excessive amount? Yes, it does, and it's quite a compliment, by the way. You know, the funny thing is, is that I use very little butter in the kitchen uh, in general. I don't finish sauces with it. I only finish pastas with it because I really like the texture that it creates. I'm a big believer that anything you do with butter, you can do with olive oil. That's my basic rule of thumb, except when it comes to pasta and textures of pasta. So, you know, we, we, we put it in there. I love it. But I think that it adds such, you know what it does? It, it smooths, it rounds out all the edges. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to think of it as. Mm -hmm. If you taste something with butter, taste something without butter, all the edges are smooth. The mouthfeel is marvelous. Yes. When Absolutely. you're eating it, that's why you call it crack, because you keep eating it. Oh, you I can't get enough of it. Oh, my. I have to say, I really can't get enough of duck and foie gras ravioli with marsala sauce either. <laughs> and you have served this dish, as you mentioned in the introduction of the recipe, for so many years, and no one gets tired of it. And yeah. there's something beautifully elegant about it, as you say. It's that cube of foie that's sandwiched between handmade pasta and the beautiful texture of the duck and the richness of the marsala sauce that all comes together. I don't think there is a more extraordinary composition of a dish than these ingredients that you've put together. I appreciate that. You're too kind. No. You're too kind. Uh, oh. All you can eat. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. For you. What, what did you think I was saying it for? Come on. <laughs> Scott, you mentioned in the book that you love the change of seasons. Oh. And you do a roasted fall vegetable salad with a stracciatella. Oh. But you mix together pickled vegetables and roasted vegetables. Oh, you are a man after my own heart. How marvelous. The approach with that dish is really to focus on the textures of the season. We could easily do that with spring vegetables or summer vegetables as well. But I love the idea of the different textures and different flavors. A little bit of pop of acid periodically to cut through 
that rich fattiness of the stracciatella. You know, I, I just think it's it's fun and it's it's mm. not monotonous dining. Mm. You know, every bite is a little bit different, but yet mm. all those all those flavors are singular, but yet they're harmonious simultaneously. That's really one of the things that I try to focus on all the time. I think I just slid off my chair. I have to tell you, that composition is beautiful as well, the plate presentation in the book. The book itself is visually stunning. It is. And I love that you're sharing beloved recipes. And so many of them are memories of mine from multiple restaurants of yours. Like in Vegas, we had an incredible meal that of all of the dishes, what I remember most is the fonduta. And I think if you master any Scott Conant recipe at home, you could certainly show off with fonduta. And in the Scarpetta cookbook, there is a roasted potatoes with fonduta, which I believe applies to breakfast, lunch, and dinner possibilities. You know, that's a great idea. Fonduta potatoes filled with fonduta for breakfast. I I love it. Okay, bring it on. I'll make the poached eggs if you want to come over. I like it. Breakfast in bed for you. Oh yeah, I I don't think your wife and your girls are going to like that, but I'm not going to turn you down. I'm I'm just not. And then talk to us about the building blocks, if you would. There is a Scarpetta pantry in the back of the new cookbook, and talk about giving away all your secrets. I mean, this is everything that has made Scott Conant Scott Conant. I think it's really important to have this idea, you know, and really this philosophy that you could work towards all the time. Mm. And what I put in the back of the book were all the spice mixes that we have. Mm. There's a veal spice, there's a a fish spice, there's Mm. a beef spice. And I really think that these spice mixtures add such a great flavor profile. And it's not an upfront flavor, it's a backdrop of flavor. So you have the great product that you eat, and then suddenly on the back of your head, you know, these spices kind of fill up the palate, so to speak, fill up your head with this great depth, if you will. depth of flavor. That's the entire goal of it. Yeah, well, everyone knows that your food makes me heady. And we would love to know (laughs) if you would outline for us an Italian Thanksgiving. What is on your table this coming week? You may or may not know this about me, but I've always said that one of my challenges, one of the things I just cannot cook is a turkey. Oh, you're kidding. Come on. Scott Conan can't make a Thanksgiving turkey? I find that hard to believe. I, You know, I could do it. It just doesn't come out the way, <laughs> the way I you want to. Come out. Exactly. So what I do is I break it down into its parts, Sorry. and I, I braise the legs, and then I will very slowly roast the breast um, by themselves. Yes. You know, I'll put the obligatory bacon and potatoes and things like that mm-hmm. inside those breasts so it, it roasts nice and slow, and they end up uh, juicy and, and unctuous. But, mm. you know, I have to break it down. It's not that traditional-looking turkey that comes to the table like a cartoon. You know, that's, that's the way I always <laughs> think of a turkey coming to the table, like Tom and Jerry. And I just can't, unfortunately, I just can't do that. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that there are a multitude of pastas at your Thanksgiving feast, and I would gladly sacrifice the annual turkey for uh, any bowl or side dish from Scarpetta on the table. So just Thank know it, 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 that that turkey cartoon doesn't make you any less of the huge <laughs> talent that you are. Uh, by all means, you must add this cookbook to your collection. What a wonderful opportunity to bring Scarpetta into your kitchen and into the kitchens of those that you know and love and love to cook. Lana, what is that you just showed me? She's holding up the book in oh, the studio. The black plum tart. Ooh, let's make that. Oh, yeah. Right now. And the pumpkin pot de creme. Okay. Oh. 
Next on the list. We can't wait. I'm really proud to call you my friend, Scott. I think that the empire that you built has been from blood, sweat, and tears, from true dedication. And I don't know many chefs in the industry uh, as well known as you that have worked so hard to earn such a claim and have it be so well-deserved. And I mean that heartfelt, truly. Truly. He and his restaurants have been cited on Esquire's Best New Restaurants in America. Scarpetta received a three-star review from the New York Times. There are locations, by the way, in Miami, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Toronto, all opened in the last few years. And this gorgeous book, the Scarpetta Cookbook, includes 125 of the restaurant's signature dishes. You won't want to miss it. We will watch for you on the Food Network, of course, adding a little bit of chopped to chopped. There's no doubt. (laughs) And, um, and we can't wait to see future projects to come. And I hope to see you soon and a very happy Thanksgiving to uh, your beautiful family and all the Thank best you. in 2014. We can't wait to have you back. I'll be back soon, hopefully. Thank yeah, you. We look always. forward to it. Yes, Thank of course. Thank you, Scott, you. so much. The Scarpetta Cookbook, available now, a recipe excerpted at chefjamie.com, and a link so that you can order your copy. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Please don't go away. Our goal is to satiate your appetite. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio, sharing our outlook on the food world with you. Great cooking starts with great ingredients. That's what Sunset Magazine says, and we agree entirely, in fact. We love that Western chefs are always represented in the magazine that is an indispensable guide to living in the West. Sunset Magazine is the leading lifestyle brand, and we love that their ideas for travel, destinations, design trends, and fabulous food are always chronicled in the pages of their monthly publication. There are always new cookbooks abounding from Sunset as well, and there's a new book release called Cook, Taste, Savor, with 16 inspiring ingredients for delicious dishes every day, which we will dish on, but we must start by talking turkey first. She is the food editor of Sunset Magazine, and we're delighted to welcome Margot True back to the show. A very happy uh, almost Thanksgiving to you, Margot, and welcome back. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's a pleasure. Well, Lana and I were excited to read through the November issue because we found lots of delicious inspiration for Thanksgiving, and we're just a few days away, um, but we'd like to talk turkey because it's never too late to master a truly flavorful, juicy, and fabulous turkey, or to add new flavor inspiration or profiles to one you have already planned. So so do give us the gobble-gobble, please. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, you know, the number one thing you can do to make your turkey more flavorful is to brine it, which means to soak it in a salt and seasoning solution. And the reason you want to brine a turkey above any other kind of meat is because turkey is often dry. Mm. And brining turkey is like Thanksgiving insurance. It (laughs) keeps the moisture locked into the bird so that no matter how much you subject it to heat, even if it hits 180, which is really kind of overcooked, It'll still be pretty juicy and flavorful because you've taken the extra step of brining. I agree entirely, and we've talked about brining over the past couple of Sundays, and the salt water solution that adds the juiciness and the moisture definitely needs to be flavor enhanced. I remember a spiced turkey 
um, that you ran in the magazine in years past that I know must have been a huge hit because it really inspired both Lana and I to create fabulous flavor. And um, I, I was hoping you would share it so that we could post it at chefjamie.com once again. Oh, I'd be happy to. And in fact, it's in our new book, Cook, Taste, Savor. And this is a, a recipe that we got from a lovely family having, um, as you can in L.A., having their Thanksgiving on the beach. So dreamy. Um, and this one was Mexican-inspired. And the brine in this case was brown sugar, garlic, cinnamon sticks, ancho chilies. And then after it emerged from its dunk overnight, it was rubbed with a... a, a taste of dried ancho chilies, oregano, and olive oil. Oh, does that sound so delicious? Yes. What I love, too, is it, it's a mole gravy. Exactly. In the Latin style. It delights me uh, thoroughly to finish a sauce with chocolate. Yes. I, I, <laughs> there's just something about it. In the November issue of Sunset Magazine, there is lots more Thanksgiving inspiration that you can still pick up and keep by your side while you're cooking this week. And there's a beautiful piece written by Deborah Madison, um, whom we love as uh, the vegetarian talent that she is, talking about sides to savor. And she has some chili inspiration as well because she makes a winter squash soup, which you could do butternut, you could do pumpkin, you could do uh, kabuka, uh, no matter delicata, acorn, whatever kind of or soup you planned to start your meal with. But she does a red chili and mint infusion, right? And I was very inspired. Exactly. It's such a simple soup, but so adaptable to whatever you have on hand. And that's mm, the beauty yes. of the way she cooks. Yes. She's a terrific, terrific cook. But she understands home cooking thoroughly, and she knows that you need to use what you have on hand and what you're familiar with. And her recipes are always written with that in mind. Certainly these are. She gave us eight gorgeous recipes. One that's really fabulous, and it's just a handful of ingredients, is pan-roasted sweet potatoes. I knew you were going there. The pan-roasted sweet potatoes that are coconut pan-roasted with sesame seeds. Yes. And virgin coconut oil being the medium, the fat. Yeah, and you know, this is such an interesting ingredient, this virgin coconut oil. It's really almost like extra virgin olive oil because it's cold-pressed. It's not refined in any way. It's unfiltered, so all this delicious coconut flavor stays in, and Mm. it's not hydrogenated. So it doesn't have the unhealthful fat. Wow. Margot, I love your passion, and I love that you always bring so many delicious ideas to the table. And I I just hate that we're out of time. (laughs) I would like to extend an invitation on behalf of Lana and I and uh, the listeners of our show. Will you please join us at the beginning of next month, December, and share with us your holiday inspiration? Because we must dish on the just-released cookbook from Sunset called Cook taste savor because it's really the secret of west coast cooking you start with ingredients that inspire you rather than recipes and there are so many wonderful ideas to end the meal deliciously as well in the book so will you please come back 
I would be happy to. Oh, nice. it's, such, it's such fun to be on your show. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Well, we love having you, no doubt. The November issue of Sunset Magazine celebrates the flavors, tastemakers, and places that make us thankful to live in the West. Well, Lana and I are. But no matter where you live, you can find Western inspiration from Sunset Magazine. Go to sunset.com. You'll learn so much. And please stay tuned in the Sundays to come. You will hear more from food editor Margot True as she dishes on the new cookbook release from Sunset Magazine, Cook, Taste, Savor. We are sharing Margot's turkey inspiration at chefjamie.com. And again, we can't wait to have you back. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Margot. And to you too, Jamie Thank and Lana. You. A pleasure. We hope that we inspired you to cook this Sunday morning and that you'll sit down at our table as the Sundays progress all throughout the holiday season for more delicious conversation. Chef Jamie went along with Lana, finishing up this hour with what we call our last bite. It's our last ounce or a tidbit of culinary information for this big week of feasting. Um, and we should make one last turkey uh, talk mention, Lana. Oh, because there's a lot of talk about using a cedar plank. Yes. Under your turkey. Yeah, this is whether, really genius. Whether it be your whole turkey or a turkey breast. You soak the cedar plank just like you would for the barbecue. Make sure it's an unfinished cedar plank. Right, or one that's made especially for cooking. Yes. And then put it on the bottom of the roasting pan, preferably mm -hmm. the turkey or uh, the turkey breast on a rack, unless you prefer to set it right on the cedar plank. And then you'll get a, a subtle smoke, right, yes, that comes from the oven <clears throat> versus the grill or the barbecue, but mm -hmm. still fabulous flavor. Yes. Her. Yes, and oh, that's and genius. Then for your uh, Thanksgiving, you could add uh, sweet potato latkes with a cranberry applesauce. Okay, so again, merging Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, Thanksgivinga, as we're calling it, can be a combination of both holidays. Most definitely, and some challah apple stuffing. So you're using challah bread for the stuffing. Yes, I love that. Yes. And then we also saw a brine for a Thanksgiving Hanukkah turkey. Yes, that with, in done with. Manischewitz In, wine. Right, included the best of Hanuk Hanukkah treats, the Manischewitz. I love that. Yeah. Um, and that if, any, if anyone does that, they must let us know. Yes, please. please. In fact, that thank you. Write to us. Um, <laughs> I encourage those uh, those letters, those comments, um, and those ideas as well. You can get to us directly via email by writing to live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com. And you can always ask your last-minute holiday questions if you need some feasting advice. I'm answering questions personally all throughout the week and for another last bite how about a pumpkin donut oh baby okay how about a sufgan iota hanukkah donut shortcut so like you would a beignet with one ingredient you buy you know the tube of biscuits that you bang mm -hmm. on the counter that opens up well you take the biscuit and you literally separate each individual layer and then you drop it into a hot fryer and it makes a one ingredient beignet mm -hmm. also mm. known at Hanukkah as the shortcut sufgan ayot. I love that. For our um, last bite sweet ending allow us to inspire you with a couple of dessert ideas because we are still big on brown butter mm -hmm. and I loved your apple pie inspiration that you mentioned to me yesterday. Oh you have three four tablespoons of brown butter with your apples. Mm. That really it adds mm. a depth of flavor. I mm -hmm. make a brown butter pecan pie that you love mm, and that starts I. with brown butter and mm -hmm. then cooling it down when you make your pie crusts. Mm -hmm. And then and of course talking about apples, how about some apple latkes instead of potato latkes Ooh. do apple latkes for dessert. Dusted with powdered sugar? Yes. I love it. I was thinking of switching up the pecan pie to either chocolate or bourbon or maybe chocolate and bourbon. Mm. 
Yeah, both. I would do both. I think so, too. (laughs) We hope that you'll meet us here. This is our culinary playground and yours, too, next Sunday when there's more fabulous food in your radio. And we hope that this holiday season you'll take time to embrace past traditions while adding your own personal touch to create new and unique mealtime memories with family and friends. A very happy Thanksgiving to you, Lana. I can't wait to spend it with you. Oh, a happy Thanksgiving to all. Yes, in fact, we wish you and your family a delicious and joyous Hanukkah and Thanksgiving feast. And we'll meet you here next Sunday in your radio when we'll be joined by Mark Romig, the New Orleans Tourism Commissioner, Abby Dodge, for her ideas on Thanksgiving leftovers, and Sophie Gaillot with her best restaurant picks for the best restaurants across the country. Chef Jamie went along with Lana in your radio with more at chefjamie.com. We thank you for listening and I hope you continue to eat well. The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.